Welcome to the Degree of Experience Podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Chris Bargeron, and I'm back from Gen Con. What's up, buddy? I'm Mr. No, I'm not Mr. I'm Sir. Sir Puck. Coming at you from, I don't know, I got some rocket ships, lightsabers, all kinds of stuff in this uh, little room with me. So, uh, so how you been? You, you super spreader, you? Thanks. I'm good. Yeah, I'm back from Gen Con, the big old super spreader event. Although, um, I don't see how it could be. We all had, we were all vaccinated and masked, right? That's, that stops everything. You can't fake that. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and also from the get go too, I, if anyone hears screams in the background, everything is okay. <laughs> You got to get that latch on the basement. You know, the screams just keep leaking out. I, I'm really concerned. I know. You know? Yeah. Hey, uh, my son, Eric is homesick. Poor little, poor old two year old. He's got, he's got a bad little stomach bug. He didn't get, he had a hard time sleeping last night. So we had a hard time sleeping last night. Um, poor guy. But um, yeah, he just, he actually just got a good long nap and, just in time for the podcast, he just woke up screaming. Uh, probably because the fever's kicking in. He, he's had a pretty decent fever. Well, that means everything's but, working. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, yeah, healthy boy. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I'm back from Gen Con. It was a blast. Um, went to go play uh, in a tournament for uh, Vampire the Masquerade Rivals. Um. The conclave event and uh had a ton of fun. Um met up with a super nerdy. It was it was it was uh it was fairly nerdy. Um I mean what is more nerdy than a a, a, a like board game convention? A board game convention? Yeah. Um I mean seriously, like what's the it's an inch wide mile deep type thing, but you know, like yeah. But you know what's interesting is like because uh, to me it's a well known yeah and and it's funny telling people like at work being like oh you know where are you going I'm going to Gen Con and I just kind of wait a half second for that you know moment of recognition and there's just no. kind of this blank stare yeah and then what's Gen Con and I'm like it's a board gaming convention they probably like, think you're like trying to talk about Dragon Con but like screwed it up if they're in the know at all. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the first comment from a lot of people is, "Oh, it's like Dragon Con." And I'm like, "Yes, but more focused." Um although it can kind of get lost because I mean, there's so many things that are outside of board gaming that have card games or board games. Um, yeah, it sounds super cool. I don't mean to disparage it. I'm just oh, no. wrapping you up a little bit. You know? oh, I know what you I, mean. I would have liked to go, but I wasn't invited. Aww. I suspect I know why, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, it was a good time. I'm glad you it, went. It sounds like you had a good time. Oh, man, and, I had a blast. You know, um, even I had a blast. You, you made some new connections, I think. That's what I cut you off from from starting. Right, made some new connections. Um, it were really friends that I've had online. Like I've been, I've been, uh, I've been part of a Discord community for this game, and so it was neat finally seeing the faces behind the, the uh, Discord. You get handles. to do that, huh? Yeah. So, um, and it was neat to picture, huh? Didn't happen if you didn't take a picture. I did take pictures though. You seen the mm-hmm. pictures? 
No, you haven't shared any pictures with me, bro. You've moved on. I, You've moved bro, on from me. Bro, they're in the Discord. <laughs> they're in the Facebook. <laughs> I don't look at Facebook. Well, you know, that's that's where it's at, bro. Um, but yeah, and uh, so I don't know, and 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 also just want to say thank you because we I know we have a couple new listeners from my friends at Gen Con. Uh, it, that was really one of the highlights. Actually, was when a group of us got in my car to go meet up with the rest of the crew for dinner and i had been playing the podcast earlier for for my one friend riding with me and uh so oh, it, it kicked on and was just kind of on the background and as we start kind of leaving the parking deck uh you know uh one of my friends goes wait is that you chris wow <laughs> you know and, and you know me i love it when i get that like oh wow this sounds good like you've got a radio voice and i'm like why thank you uh-huh. <laughs> sure and then they're like god that sir puck guy who's that i'm, I'm sure yeah like geez why why are you stooping so low buddy get you get you a better it's time to up your sidekick yeah my you fav- might have who knows scheduling issues i understand you know we got some uh australians eh and no one i'd rather uh do this podcast with than old sir puck um oh. Um, and yeah, that was the one funny question too, was, uh, was asking about your knight status or like, yeah. how did he get knighted? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah. Uh, with purpose. But, um, but yes. And with that in case all were wondering what you were listening to, this is degree of experience, a podcast where we reevaluate our past in order to redefine our present and future. Um, it's a podcast uh, really covering uh, our past experiences and how in reviewing them or reflecting upon them, um, we sort of redefine and try to move forward in our lives, you know, in, in a healthier fashion. Uh, so part of the podcast is sort of story-based ones, like today is going to be, other ones are we have discussions on, on certain topics. Uh, and then sometimes we have guests who talk about their experiences Um and we are also a value for value podcast. Um, but before I kick into that, got to remember to say we are not trained professionals. Um, this podcast is currently listed as a mental health podcast. So that's I'm, I'm a trained professional. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just when it, when it comes to this this shit, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I am. I am one highly trained and effective professional. And I'm just another human resource. Um, but we both have a degree of experience. And that's where we're coming from and speaking from. Um, and we're also a value for value podcast. And what that means is we don't have any advertisings. Um, you know, we don't get money in that fashion. Uh, we are completely uh, producer supported by our listener listening audience. Um, and if you, you know, at the end of this episode, if you make it to the end of the episode, you know, that's one showing that you got some value from it. But if you feel you got value from it, um, you know, put a number on it and send us our way. That's a beautiful thing about the value for value model is you get to decide, um, you know, what what value it is for you, you know. And 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 the amazing thing is it can it can surprise. And I, and I pitch this for anyone else doing podcasts. It's a great way to do it because you'd be surprised what some people you know, define that value as. Um, and, and so you can go to value.degreeofexperience.com 
And if you do so, you will get an executive producer credit on the following episode, like we have today. Today's, um, and this is one of my friends from Gen Con. Um, but our executive producer for episode 15 is Mr. Fuji uh, from Australia. And uh, he donated $50. And he writes to us. Should I do the Australian voice? I don't know if that's insulting. I would prefer you not to, because I can't imagine you're very good at it. No offense. <laughs> it's really hard to do. I have a hard time not doing it with what he wrote. Because he said... Me, you do you. <laughs> I mean, I will do me. I'll just do me reading it. Great podcast, mate. Keep it going. Hashtag the battle for last place. Mr. Fuji. Hmm. <laughs> Hashtag the battle for last place. That's a that's an homage I mean, to our our match at the uh, conclave oh, tournament. Okay, I was looking. I was thinking like podcast rankings, and I'm like, hey, we're already over a hump. We've got more than like ten <laughs> episodes. We're not in last yeah. place. There's so many episodes, you know. So okay, we're working. Our I way feel out. slightly better now. Nah, he's referring to uh, the the second tournament, the one v one tournament. Um, me and him. We, the last match, so the way the matches worked was as you went through each round, they matched people sort of based on their how they've been winning throughout the tournament. So you sort of, as the tournament went on, ideally you're starting to get matched up with people at your skill level. And, and so both me and him were just losing game after game. And uh, and we were joking, like, I think after the second round, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, we, you know, you and me got matched up at the very end, the battle for last place, and then sure enough, that's what happened. <laughs> and, I gotcha. And we had we had a blast just like, because at that point, we we're like, yeah, we're just playing for fun. So we're we're sitting back and just, you know, making jokes and just being lighthearted as we're playing. And uh, I remember when the judges came by and just kind of just sat by us and just kind of hung out with us for a second, just just saying like, "You guys are having a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm gonna sit here with you guys." <laughs> nice. So, thank you, nice. Mr. Fuji. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, listening to the podcast and supporting the podcast. Yeah, that's that's super awesome. I, I, he joined the Discord too, the little Discord you got going on, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's been cool interacting with him. Yeah. Uh, the the diversity of the Discord definitely happened after your uh, your your little jaunt up to Gen Con. There's quite a few new people, um, which I think is really cool, and uh, quite a few new perspectives. So I yeah. dig that. That's what life is all about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, this guy's perspective too. is upside down. <laughs> literally yeah <laughs> like it's it's fucking what winter down there or some shit oh, i didn't even think about that yeah most people don't like it's, they have christmas in the summer yeah it's interesting too um being yeah online friends with him for a while because i keep i keep losing track of the time zone difference you know like you kind of get used to america like somebody's like an hour or two you know behind but he's he's it's a completely different time of day for him. <laughs> he's going to bed as I'm getting up. <laughs> so I'm about yeah, to go to like, bed. It's like the beginning of his day. No, it's like three of okay, wow. Jeez, it's like You looking uh, it up? Yeah, mean, yeah, it's thirteen hours ahead from Eastern Standard. Yep. Yeah, that explains it's Wednesday, three oh five in the morning right now yeah. as we record. Yeah. 
In some ways, I'm a little jealous because one of the things that's that's been challenging about the Rivals online community is a lot of them are based in California. So when they're playing California, California over in LA, San Francisco, sorry, (laughs) but they'll be playing in the middle of the night for me. Like for them, it's like only nine o'clock at night, but for me, it's like midnight when they're starting a game and we'll finish the game. It'll be like three in the morning for me. But for Mr. Fuji, I'm sorry, I had the old man filter turned on. Can you, can, I just turned it off. I couldn't hear you there for a second. Can you start over? The old man filter. <laughs> yeah. It just took all that out. <laughs> What's the old man filter? <laughs> Is that like a metaphor for something? Or did you literally hit some button? Yeah. It, it couldn't, I couldn't hear you complaining about being old. I had the old man filter on. I wasn't complaining about being old. Oh, <laughs> talking about like being, up, being up late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's dude. I mean, I and I like to 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 kick it with them, but you know, with the kids, it's like I got to get up at six. And I've done that before. I had one game. It was funny as heck. And then we'll finally talk about our topic today. But I can't make it past nine thirty. So whatever. It was. It was. Um. It was nearing four in the morning for me, (laughs) and we were still in this game. And I was at the point of like, guys, I got to get up in like two and a half hours. Like. No. Let's end this game. So I started purposefully just like doing stuff to just end the game, you know, because I didn't want to just like up and leave either because I figured the game would end soon. It was one of those games where just like every round, just somebody did something that kept so-and-so alive or kept it going, trying to win. And it's like, no, just end it. <laughs> and by the end, I was just, I was probably not the most fun pe- person to play with at the end of that game, but I digress. Every so often, I'll stay up for it because it's a great game. It's worth playing. All right. So Mm. enough about board games because this is not a board gaming podcast, although I would love to sit here and talk about board games for another hour, uh, especially some of the cool stuff I got from Gen Con. So if anybody's interested and wants to chit-chat with me about it, uh, look in the show notes. Start a podcast. Huh? (laughs) You can start a podcast. I might. I might. I might. No. I'm just kidding. I mean, there's already a Rivals podcast. I don't want to compete with that. And I don't play enough board games to do, but whatever. But no, this is a Degree of Experience podcast. And today we are going to talk about uh, my experience. uh, Because I don't know if, I don't think you have any experience with this, but my experience with going to jail and um, some of the uh, new perspectives I got on people and culture in America from that experience. but yeah, have you ever been to jail? I don't think so, right? Uh, so I, I don't remember which school system I was a part of, but we did a field trip, and that has been the extent of my exposure to any sort of jail cell so really? far in life. What yep. what what uh what jail was it? I don't remember. Was this in Georgia or back in Detroit? I would assume it's Georgia, but I don't honestly remember. Okay, fair enough. I, I would I would think it was uh like middle school which would place it um it could have been like rural michigan so not detroit or like the immediate suburbs of detroit um or cobb county georgia but i i I really do think it's uh it was when we moved out of out of dearborn but before georgia so like um rural kind of uh and I compared, well, you don't, you still haven't been by, you've driven by, and you don't even know exactly. So, yeah, kind of like where I am now, but not really. 
um, like apple orchards and stuff like that. I think that was the setting. And we went in and they showed us around and that was all it really took. I've never been one to want to be detained. I've I've probably had a very healthy paranoia of the police. Um, Probably needlessly so given my station in life um, and the places I've lived. Um, You know, I wasn't somebody that they were going after per se, Um, but I've always been paranoid about it. You know, like I always worry about like the Crown Vic headlights in the back of my windshield like even though oh i know um, you know it's just like a lifelong paranoia yeah i will forever have that paranoia i haven't had i haven't had something in my car to be worried about getting pulled over with in a long time but still to this day mm-hmm. when i see those blue lights going behind me to chase somebody else down i just my my grip tightens my heart starts racing <laughs> what they want i start yeah the heck they, yeah, they want. do yeah we'll keep the other Galaxy planets in line. That's right. You have this battle station. Um. So, but yeah, but building up to the to the jail story because it kind of ties in where we left off. Um, after the second episode of the Rainbow Gathering, where I kind of ended with what happened to um WD as we called him, um, and you know, when he we were friends and he got arrested. Um, and shortly after that arrest, when me and him got split up, uh, that's when I had gotten, I believe at that time I got in the job at the bookstore that we mentioned last episode and I was living with my dad. And then once I got a little bit of money flowing in, uh, that's when, uh, and a close friend of mine who had an apartment, he had a roommate that moved out on, that moved out. Uh, and so he invited me to move in and that was exciting. Finally, out of my parents' house, sort of first legitimate, you know, um, rooming outside of my parents' house. And, uh, and, but we had a third room and we needed a third roommate. And, um, you know, we asked various friends and nobody, you know, had the money or was able to, to come live with us. And, um, I don't know, from my perspective, it was just one day I came home and suddenly we had a, a, a new roommate and, uh, so there was another roommate by your same first name that it was in that room and moved out. I think that was uh, that was what triggered the, the the room being open. I don't know if you ever lived with him. Oh, same that, first name. I'm aware of that. Yeah, I just like. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you lived with him or not, but it's my understanding he was the last one in that room. So um, the other side of the story is, you know, I graduated a year after you and i was still living in my mom's house commuting to georgia state university um which didn't last too long uh and then my time there was cut short when she located um in the dropped ceiling uh my water bong that i was using to smoke marijuana from uh, not the brightest place to, to hide one of those i've heard it worse so um I was told that I was going to grow wings and fly. So where do I go? But the local pizza place where I know everybody um, and ask around. And sure enough, your current roommate says, hey, yeah, we uh, we just had somebody move out. So that was, that was the plan. I was waiting for another friend um, who 
the plan was to for us to get an apartment together but he his dad was so old he was getting social security payments from the government while he was still in high school because like again his dad was like 65 or some shit Mm -hmm. um so he was using that to pay off he was basically riding it as long as he could to pay off his car so he wouldn't have a car payment when he moved out Mm. so there was a gap maybe a year and a half from when we graduated high school from before i could move in with him which is where i went after we lived together and i don't quite remember how that whole thing ended other than me just you know this would be interesting to kind of go through because i remember people and places and things and stories um obviously given the circumstances of the my removal from my mother's house that whole time period is kind of fuzzy um it's also when i was dating your wife yes that's true so um yeah yeah, everything comes full circle everybody (laughs) uh not quite ready to come full circle with y'all but hey (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it and it's kind of funny because it's kind of blur for me too because it's like right it's like you know, I just, I don't even, I don't, I vaguely remember to me, it was almost like you were there the whole time, you know, but I do remember as we became friends, the saying, uh, developing of like, you know, you're the best random roommate ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that maintained for a long time, a very long time. <laughs> and, um, and we had some good times, you know, um, Halo, you know, I worked at Blockbuster, so like I'd bring home the Xboxes or you know, whatever it is. It's when you could rent systems from somewhere and mm-hmm. bring them home in those huge, like you know, bulletproof cases or whatever. And we'd sit there on that couch, you know, usually it was just two people, I think was the biggest that you could fit, you know, two people on that little couch. And then, like, it had to be just like a 13 or a 19 inch TV. <laughs> sitting there playing halo that's i remember that couch for sure and the video game action that went on in it yeah and then you know there was the big kind of l-shaped couch on the other side of the room where you know all the mischievousness went on um you know uh you could i think there was even like on the the mantle wasn't there usually like a bong with like a little sticky on it that said like smoke me Mm -hmm. one roommate would leave out stuff like that yeah and then the the bathroom i remember you had uh taped up a lot of uh tom tomorrow i think it was um cartoons which were super critical of the the, you know the administration then which of course was um w so that's kind of what planted my seeds of uh you know thinking differently and not taking everything at face value what some people would classify as being a conspiracy theorist but uh what i look at is you know the x-files type mentality Um, truth is out there right yeah that was that was a big launching point for me too i mean because 9-11 i don't think we've talked have we i feel like we've touched on 9-11 a little bit so i don't know if i'm repeating myself but yeah when 9-11 happened and i worked at that bookstore that chapter 11 bookstore and at that point i had I mean, I guess starting to do drugs and stuff started opening my mind to to a little bit of outside the box thinking. But from that same, but still, I was very sort of like that sheltered mentality of like, oh, you know, America's America's good, and you know, they have our best interests at heart, and you know, there's 
They're going to protect. I don't know. I just, I just, every cliche standard lesson of high school social studies class was just my perspective. Mm-hmm. And when 9 11 happened, and of course, the messaging at the time was just like, you know, this is a horrible, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a horrible attack. Don't get me wrong. But when it happened, I, I, for the first time had as, well, here, actually, this is a turning point. Because because of that day, you know, I remember getting to work and the first plane had hit. And, and you know, and the guy I was working with kind of said, oh, did you hear this? And we and we turned on the radio and we're listening to the radio. And, you know, shortly after the second plane hit and we're listening and we're hearing all the live radio stuff, which some stuff that I heard led to conspiracy theory beliefs later as it mm-hmm. happened live. And this is, you know, I mean, the Internet was around, but this is pre-YouTube. So not everything was like sort of saved or caught and saved on something, but, but, um, we didn't have cell phones in our pockets that you could whip out and record and take pictures. Right. Or some people did, but we certainly didn't. Um, and what it definitely Mm. like your average Joe, I don't think had them at that time. Um, but a lot of, I mean, whatever, that's one of those fact checks I've gotten hit up about before when somebody was like, when I said like some time was before cell phones, they're like, there were cell phones then. I was like, okay, well, I didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not have a cell phone in 2001. <laughs> but even then that was before the, the iPhone, right? When was the iPhone? Uh, the iPhone was 07. 07. Yeah. So, and that's when, right. Having one in your pocket that could easily record or video, you know, was, but, um, yeah, God, I remember too, like, it was so funny. This guy came in and he was so convinced it was a Russians. Um, he just talked our ear off about like, you know, how Russia's had it out for us for forever. And we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, buddy. Um, but, um, but the point building up and I'm almost wanting to stop to tell a story about the Pentagon getting hit. Cause that was a conspiracy thing. I remember this guy saying that he heard a car bomb, this reporter, mm-hmm. And then yep. they were like, and they interrupted him. They're like, well, hold on a second. We just got news that a plane hit the Pentagon. Um, he was like reporting in Washington, D.C. And they're like, did you think you might have seen or heard the plane? And he was like, I don't know, man. I've, I've reported in like this war zone and that war zone. You know, I'm just telling you, I heard a car bomb. I know what a car bomb sounds like. <laughs> and then later on, I heard that conspiracy theory by some people that say that the, the Pentagon, it really was like this setup with a car bomb. And the only reason I give it, you know, I, I, I kind of give it an ear is because I remember that guy. I mean, just the, just the, 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 how certain he was in his tone. He's like, no, I don't know what else is going on, but I know I heard a car bomb somewhere. Um, but anyway, but uh, but so we get to the end of the day, you know, and there's just all this like wonder and worry and we're all kind of afraid and we're just just on edge waiting for the president to come and tell us, you know, what is happening? Why would somebody do this? And I was wondering, I was like, why would someone do this to us? And when he got on that TV and he said, because they hate our freedom. It was just that little part of me inside screamed bullshit. You know, like, I just know you are like, there's more, of course there's more in the story than that. It's like the way you talk to a fucking child, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it happens because, you know, you were bad this year. That's why Santa didn't give you a gift. Like bullshit. It's because you're broke. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you were really bad that year. (laughs) Maybe I was. (laughs) I mean, you're calling out your parents for being broke. Sound like an asshole to me. (laughs) It's just a, that's not a true life example. Um, 
I always got presents. Thank you very much. But you know what yeah. I mean? It was just like, it was, I was just, I just, you know, so that opened the door. I'm like, what is really going on here? And then I worked in a bookstore. So I started, you know, picking up books and reading this and ordering that. Um, and so and- I want to, I want to hop back just for a second because I had to look it up and I think this is important. Um, the first commercially available cell phone with a camera was released in Japan in May of 1999 and really didn't gain traction worldwide until like 2003. So whoever told you that camera phones were widely available in 2001 did not know what they were talking about. Well, they, I was saying cell phones around uh, 2000 when I was doing. Yeah, I mean, cell, phone, still. cell phones have been along for a long time, but the camera phone is kind of that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, we I didn't feel have like camera phones camera to record phone. stuff and you know take pictures and you know now it's everywhere yeah you're you're being looked at by a camera right now you might not even know it i don't where are they i can't see them. Probably your phone where's your phone i mean it's it's over there somewhere um <laughs> yeah <laughs> peeking around the corner saying yeah. hey chris so yeah so that was so so yeah so and then so so the time period when we met was just after that so i was right all yeah, this i was still at home during 9 11 for sure <laughs> i was so i was posting shit all the time and uh, up around the up around the house so it was uh good times and um but the whole time we were living together uh i was on probation uh for a I don't even remember the amount, basically an amount of marijuana, the size of my thumb. Oh, um, I got, I was on probation for, I think actually when I got into the apartment, that was when I went to trial. Um, I Mm. plead, uh, first offender status. So I basically pleaded guilty with a first offender status because I'd seen firsthand with, uh, our other roommate, how that had really lightened his sentence. And, and they were saying like, oh, yeah, you're only going to look at this and look at that. And they ended up giving me, though, a year probation. Um, I forget all the different circumstances around it, like community service and, you know, you know, random drug tests and all that. So then the big deal I remember, though, is the random drug tests. Because then I'm, you know, hanging out with all the stoner friends and trying not to smoke. I, went to, I think I made it like three months without smoking weed. I was drinking a little bit, kind of. Cause I was kind of confident that like, if, if I could quit drinking, you know, a few days before the start of the month, when I find out if I'm getting, if I'm seeing or getting drug tested, whatever, however it worked. Um, but then as time passed, I kind of got more confident of like, okay, well I've got a little bit of a window. Okay, cool. So if I can smoke weed, like the first week of a month, if, you know, if they don't test me at that last appointment, and then that first week, you know, turned into turned into two weeks, turned into three weeks, turned into the whole freaking month. And uh, by the like last few months of that probation, I mean, I was scared every month that I was about to get drunk. I kind of remember that. Like, I remember like you like, yeah, but it, yeah. Yeah, and I was um and I was not making my probation payments payments. At least I don't think I made any payments the last few months of it. And um but they never drug tested me. But um when it got to be basically near the end of the year probation, um they brought me to trial again for 
essentially violating and see I can't even remember the details of this but basically I got pull, I got called in front of a judge uh about you know the status of my probation what I had completed and at that point like I hadn't you know I still owed like four or five hundred dollars worth of fees I hadn't finished all my I think I, there was other requirements I hadn't done I, I I know I did the counseling I had to go to or the drug school or whatever Basically, it was like a DUI school. Um, but I think I think it was short on community service too. So I left that day to go to court, and I and I do remember this. I basically knew I was going to jail, and that's probably what you remember. Yeah. It was like when I left the notes. Um, no, you called me. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I remember writing some notes. Maybe I wanted to mail them, and that's and I wrote them in jail. Because I thought I was going to be in jail for like, I thought I was going to have to serve a year. Like basically like the probation would, you know, sort of get canceled out. And then I would have to do the, the amount of time that I would have had to do. Mm. Um, but I remember, and then it was, it was raining just as I'm about to go into the, to the court case. And, uh, and I stood outside in the rain, basically like sort of with this mentality of like, you know, the experiencing a little freedom before it gets taken away, like enjoying the rain, <laughs> enjoying the feeling of the rain, thinking this might be the last time I feel this for a little while. And I go in and, but they only ended up sentencing me um, in a weird way. It worked out because uh, they sentenced me to five days in jail. Um, really, really it was 10 days and then five days with good behavior um, but it, but at that point, because of doing that jail time, I didn't have to fulfill the rest of the probation stuff. So it, you know, it saved me $500 or so in fees. I didn't have to provide anymore. Um, so, but the scary part was I went to jail, um, right there. And then from, from, uh, the case for some reason, I don't know if I was, I don't know. I can't remember. It's been well, a while. You since. called me. Yeah. You called me. Cause I remember we had a conversation. I was in the, uh, the back room, the blockbuster video on Gordy Parkway, in Marietta, um, which is basically a room full of cover boxes, like the artwork that go in behind what those cases held. And then a whole bunch of extra cases of various you know, VHS, DVD games, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Back there, you got ladders and, you know, boxes stored. You know, it's basically pumped to the gills. Um, so I think you called me on my cell phone, which which had a camera. Um, it was grayscale, I remember. It was not a color screen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we had this conversation, and it was the first time another dude told me he loved me. You were like, bro, I love you, man. Because <laughs> I think you were still in that phase of thinking you were going to be gone for a long time yeah so um but i don't even remember how we found out it wasn't going to be a long time because i don't i, I think maybe i don't remember <laughs> yeah but i do remember oh yeah because at that time like we didn't have hot water at that time or something like that i remember like i missed out on like a period of time at the apartment where like it wasn't the best time to be at the apartment. <laughs> and I think it was the hot water. Although I, th I know you could go to the Rebecca's to like shower at that time, but I don't know. 
I remember getting back and, and the other roommate saying something to me about that. And it was like, well, you, at least you had some warm showers for a few days. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, but yeah, and so so I went to jail, and and then here's where kind of the the whole experience thing comes into play. Because so I went to jail, and again, kind of like the 9-11 thing, where it's like I've just got this sort of mentality of of East Cobb suburbanism, um, primarily white. And but that said, the way I was raised, I was raised with a very sort of activist mentality with my parents. So I didn't see, I didn't have a perspective of race. I've never been one to kind of like describe, you know, a movie character as like, oh, you know, the black guy. I would be like, oh, you know, the guy that, uh, that, that was the, you know, so-and-so that, you know, I'd talk about what people did instead of like, you know, what they were or whatever. And, um, so I, and I never really experienced, like, I guess I just had this, like, I'd heard about racism as if it was like something in the past, you know, it's like something that we'd overcome. And I, ne- I didn't really have this perspective that it was something at least present in in our suburbia. Um, and but when I went to jail, um, it took a little time, but I realized that's not the case. Because um, at first, you know, of course, at first it's the hold and sell. And uh, while they're sort of figuring out where we're going to go and. I was in the holding cell for like almost almost a day on its own, and I remember being in there with this with this guy. Uh, in this case, it because it's relevant to the story. The guy I was in the holding cell with, I became friends with, was black, and we were having a good time, sort of messing with the guards and joking around. and And uh, and when we went back, we did go back together to the same pod. Now, something about I'll mention about uh, jail in Marietta, Georgia. I don't know if all jails are like this, but I've only been in two institutions where they split people up in pods, and that was jail and public middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never, you know? So now whenever I look at the middle school I went to, I like it doesn't look like a school so much to me. It's like got a little bit of a jail <laughs> feel they, they to it. They all kind of do. <laughs> I mean, Pope, Pope is was like the joke about Pope was it was designed by somebody who designed a jail because there were no windows mm-hmm. <laughs> it was those long halls yeah. like you know where the rooms all you know and if you were on the outside of the building you had windows but if you're on the inside uh-uh yeah oh man yeah and and so the whole pod and the way the pod worked was like basically so the front wall of it was like a big window um that was reinforced sort of glass and and the you know the locked door that they let you in and the main sort of room area it's basically just like a little cafeteria area with just some you know metal tables and there was some public phones against the wall a little a little window area that they would open up and serve us lunch through um and and then the back end was these four little bunk areas like the second half developed a second level with stairs that went up and and then each level was was split in two halves with with various bunk beds in each half, and I didn't notice when I first walked in the door, but the different corners were segregated. So you had uh, on the top on the top left you had the white guys, on the top right you had the black guys, you top a uh, bottom left you had the Hispanics, and then on the bottom right you had the mix. 
And now all the bunk beds were kind of, you know, taken up. But the mix area, which is basically all the new people coming in, kind of go. There's like some spaces there. So me and the friend I made, you know, go over there and, you know, find a little spot on the floor. And they had mats, so you didn't necessarily have to have a bed either. But so we, we, you know, we just head over there and, you know, and again, we're kind of chit-chatting and kind of buddying up, sort of talking about, you know, I, you know, we only got to make it a few days. Like, I remember he didn't have many days he had to do either. So it's like, ah, it's only five days. You know, we got this. Um, and for those that have been in this experience, um, time moves a little differently. (laughs) I will say those, that was the longest five days of my life. I felt like I was in that place for a month. Um, especially by like the fifth day I read a whole book, uh, in those, I mean, I had plenty of time, but you know, I've never been one to finish a book that fast. And I finished a, a whole book, um, in that period of time. Um, but that said, um, at some point, uh, this guy comes up to me he says, Hey man, uh, we got a bunk bed, you know, up here. Uh, if you want up on the second level so you can get off that floor. I was like, okay, great. Thanks. So I move up and I get the bunk bed. I meet all the guys and I had gotten brought up to that top left corner I'd mentioned previously. Um, but even at that moment, I don't think I really recognized that we were all white. Um, but later on that day, um, when we had dinner or lunch or something, we had baked, we, there was, there was butter on our plates included on our plates. So the guy I was buddy with buddies with who was still on the bottom area, you know, comes up and, uh, and again, because it's relevant to the story, I will reemphasize my black friend I had made comes up and he says, Hey man, can I, are you not eating your butter? Can I get your butter? I was like, no, of course, man, here, take the butter. And I give him the butter and he walks off. And then like all the dudes, all the white dudes in my little corner just suddenly come up on me (laughs) and they're like, Hey man, don't be giving him your butter. And I go, why not? (laughs) They're like, uh, man. Cause like, you know, we we got a little we'd like to save our own butters here man we we kind of work together to save our butters for like baked potato fridays man so we can make some really good baked potatoes so like don't be giving out your butter man if you can give your butter out to anybody give it to us and i was like okay <laughs> and even at that i kind of shrugged it off a little bit i was like okay maybe they are really passionate about baked potatoes <laughs> um and uh, just painfully naive, man. This whole thing is just painfully naive. I'm like, of course they're fucking of course they're racist. segregated off in jail, buddy. Well, yeah. Like, what do you what do you think it is? Like the, the cream of society is in jail? Like But this is that moment. This is that moment when it's starting to sink in and I start to realize I'm like, wait a minute, all these guys are white. Wait a minute, all those dudes over there are black. Wait a minute, all those dudes down there are Hispanic. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, wow. So, wow. Um, and there was a guy there too, and this this kind of brings into like, and so then again, there's also that level of like, well, you know, there's people that have been here for a while. Like there's, there's a bit of that jail mentality. Like I'm just a, you know, I'm just a tourist. Visitor, you know, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just popping in, you know, I'm just here for the t-shirt, <laughs> just here for the gift shop. Um, 
you know, no, so the t-shirt. Don't yeah, the don't leave it open to the gift shop, man. Oh yeah. So um <laughs> but you know, so, so I'm like, well maybe a gift shop. <laughs> so I could, you know, I could kind of buy it like, ah, there's racist in jail, whatever. You know, this is not this is not the best of, you know, the the crowd here in East Cobb. But there was a kid there. Um, I say kid, there was a guy my age, and I was, you know what, 19, 20 at the time. Uh, but there was a guy my age uh from the same high school. Um, that graduated well, like the year after me or something like that. And um, he recognized me. I did not recognize him, but you know, he came up and said something. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. We went to high school. You know, why are you in here? Yeah. I'm in here because of blah, blah, blah. And, and he, I can't remember the details, but the point is that he came off, he, he came off as racist as well. Like he was kind of bought in on the shit going on, including the baked potato. I was like, uh, okay, you know, and then I started to have the notice the chit chat, you know, the sort of the racist chit chat. And, um, and again, like the looks when I would hang out with my buddy, I would start getting some looks and, uh, and it got to the point where he wasn't comfortable hanging out up there, you know? So we'd be like hanging out down there. And, um, so the other real kind of turning point was, um, and and also, I guess before I get to that, well, no, I'm still on the racism subject, and then I'll go on the other thing. But the real big turning point, there was this new, another new guy came in similar to me, and 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 the, a bunk freed up, and they invited this guy up, and the guy, the the, and I know I'm saying guy a lot, so I'm losing, you know, might be losing context on who's who. So let's just say there was this one, there was this one guy, we'll call him Big Joe. Big Joe was sort of the alpha of our little corner clearly he was the one sort of calling the shots it seemed you know he was the one saying we should invite that guy you know and whatever everybody seemed to like really follow his lead and the new guy got bunked next to him and big joe just loved the new guy and they they, they were getting along they they were both into i don't even remember what it was maybe it was hunting they were both into you know same things and buddying up and whatnot but then the next day, um, and or every day at let's just say like six or seven o'clock, just after dinner, there would be a prayer circle uh, formed in the cafeteria, and it and it was all it was all the all the black inmates. They would they would hold hands and they would have like a little prayer, um, you know, and then yeah, and then, and that'd be it. They just had this little prayer circle every every evening. And um, one of those nights, the new guy went down and joined the the prayer circle. <gasps> oh no! Like he went and held hands with him. You know, uh, it was kind of a beautiful moment, honestly. Um, you know, because it's all you know, you know, it really, you know, and he he they they welcomed him. You know, there was no like, no, you can't come in here because you're white. It was just like, oh, you want to pray with us, please. It was in in uh. And I, I remember watching in awe because it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of touching, you know, in this in this jail atmosphere. And I look I over. I don't know, Chris. I look over <laughs> at 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 Big Joe. And Big Joe had the most like locked on, angry, just look of hatred I have ever seen to this day. Uh-huh. Like he just had to like you would have thought that the guy had like pulled his mama out and stabbed him in front of him. Like he just had this just angry betrayal about him. And and he started vocalizing that. And he was like, and he wasn't being clear at first. You know, I was kind of like, what's your problem, man? He's just like, 
nah, man, you, he, he's fucked up. You don't, you don't, you don't do that. You don't turn your back on us like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, no, he's down there, man. I just, that's not cool. And, and I'm like, you mean like him holding hands with them? <laughs> it's like, dude, chill out. He was pissed. And then at that moment, like they kind of had an alteration and he ended up having to switch bunks and move, move back to the other little corner. Cause the guy was being such a dick to him about it. And, and again, that was just, it was just, I just was like, I can't believe it. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's, it's like, seriously. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, like, this might not be that most people are like, yeah, duh, Chris, there's, you know, racism in the world. But again, for me, sheltered little East Cobb kid, it was like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, okay, no, that shit really is, is out here in my backyard, man. People, people, people hating. Um, it's everywhere. Yeah. It always has been. It has been, but we just I guess, see it more now. Yeah, maybe that's a part of getting older too, and not you know. But I don't know. But yeah, growing up, I just, I just, I, I never had personally seen it like that. Um, which I'm grateful for. It says a lot, you know, about my upbringing and and some of the and some of at least our group of friends. Um, see, I was a minority growing up. Really? Yeah, absolutely. In in Dearborn. Mm. It is uh, the largest population of Muslim individuals outside of the Middle East. And then you add in all the other diverse populations. And uh, I, I do not believe white people are the majority mm. or Caucasian, those of, you know, yeah. European, whatever, descent. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was bullied by <laughs> by Arabic people <laughs> and it took me. Uh, going back to the same same bridge that I was a safety on with my buddy from uh, <laughs> childhood for him to be like, man, they were just middle school kids. It didn't matter what they were. They would have picked on you no matter what. Um, but yeah, definitely minority. That's why we moved from Dearborn out into rural Michigan. Because huh. there was lots of gang violence. There was uh, drive-bys a couple blocks down. Oh, geez. Yeah, there was a park I wasn't supposed to go to. Uh, the high school was notorious for for gang violence. Fordson High School in Dearborn. So you know, I, <laughs> my mom did her best to get me out of that. My story could have been totally different, dude. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't different. Yeah, scary. Nah. I've been privileged, man. I haven't had that. Although the only thing, because I'm so young, I can't remember. But I do know that the area I used to live in in Arizona is not as nice a place as it was back when we lived there in the eighties. But I don't remember it being, um, but then again, I was a kid sort of, you know, I all, I, you know, I played in the front yard and I went to elementary school and that was it. So, I mean, see, that's crazy. So you, you were born, where were you born? Savannah, Georgia. That's right. Yeah. And then we moved to Oklahoma and then we moved to Phoenix Then we moved to Florida and back to Georgia. Hold on, I'm taking notes to try and crack your passwords. Yeah. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> no, you've already explained how your passwords work to me. Yeah. It's like a personal <laughs> algorithm. Dude, no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Jesus Christ. Uh, what I so, yeah. Uh, did you get out of jail? I guess you did, huh? 
So, yeah, so I was good. I behaved. I didn't get in any trouble. I, uh, you know, I kept to myself for the most part, you know, after those experiences. I to break I, down racist boundaries. Right? I, uh, I was just, yeah, and that was the moment. So that moment. I feel like you were one hangout short of, like, getting shivved. That, that's what I realized. That's what I realized. I was like, I was like, you know, especially when I, I would start thinking about back on that butter thing when they all like kind of came up on me, and I was like, holy shit! Like, it's a good thing I was just like a dumb, a dumb kid about it. Otherwise, <laughs> they'd been like, why are you hanging out with him? You know, um, you know. But yeah, I just at that point I kind of realized the situation I was in, and again too, I realized too the kid that was from my high school. You know, he was he was joking. All of a sudden, like all the racist jokes started like pouring out. You know, and just. It's like you're in that environment where you can get away with it. And it's like your true colors are kind of showing. And that was also an interesting experience of like, oh, okay. Um, you know, were you like this in high school? <laughs> and uh, so I just kept my mouth shut and tried to stay out of trouble. Um, the one last interesting thing I learned about was um, drugs in jail. I didn't get my hands on any, but I almost did. Um, no, they, they, they've always been up somebody's butt. Well, no, somebody was, um, somebody was <laughs> like, like there was like a home brewed drugs going on in that place. Um, they still been up somebody's butt. No, I mean like they're taking food and like setting it up. So it like ferments and weird shit like mm -hmm. that. And you know, yeah. it'll get you, it'll mess you up. Um, yeah, by putting it up your butt. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> well, either way, I didn't eat any uh, up your butt uh, potato peels. So, um, so yeah, I got out and uh, they're spicy. I'll never forget that too. Getting out. And so again, it was only five days, only five days. But I can't stress enough. Like when I got out again, I felt like I've been in that place for a month. It felt like forever. And um, and and that that freedom ride when I got back to my van. <laughs> was driving up to the apartment just like blasting some corn uh yep. just so happy to be you know and in and in that post jail feeling i you know it's like god it's like it's like being born again it's just like all of a sudden like the air like everything about like the world it's just it's just like new and exciting like oh man it's like you breeze. perhaps got the life again huh yeah I mean, it is. Yeah. Did you was that see a corn reference? There? Was that a corn reference? Yeah. Yeah. Very man. well done. Very well done. Very well done. I'll give you a. That didn't really sound like a clap, did it? Almost sounded bad. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> you got Adidas going on in the background? Maybe. <laughs> um. God, no. But uh, yeah, so. I was free and came back and yeah, that's when a roommate was like, well, you missed, we just got the hot water back on. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, good timing. And, and then, you know, it was off to the races with being back to being a stoner. Cause I didn't have to worry about drug tests. And yeah, that whole year on probation, I never got drug tested after all that paranoia. Um, of course. but yeah. And five days in jail saved me like $500. That used to be my, my morale, the story for the longest time. Versus to like realizing that there's a lot of racism out there. Like, like ah, if you're on probation, ah, just go to jail. Save you a bunch of money. <laughs> just but, give up your freedoms. 
<laughs> I mean, we're hey, you don't send have, you cash. You don't have to go to jail for that anymore, Sir Buck. I don't need your, I don't need your blankets. <laughs> Who needs send you cash? Go to jail. Send you cash. I don't need your money. Just go oh, to should jail. I, should I play that George Bush clip at the end of the episode? I know a lot of you want to send blankets or water. Just send you cash. <laughs> Such a great clip. Yeah, uh, kind of. There's got to be bushy. a, a end of show ISO for it too. Yeah, I used to. Oh man, I used to have this book of all the. And it's funny now having having Biden in place because he's he's kind of he's similar in that. Funny about it. He's yeah, nothing funny about him. Oh. But at least, but the funny thing is, like when he <laughs> have slips slip ups, I don't remember it being advertised as much as like Bush's slips up slip ups were. My favorite being um, when Bush said, uh, "Fool me once." Shame on you. Fool me twice. Well, um, uh, well, won't get fooled again. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, and I would hear the Who song kick in after that. Just be like, yeah. Won't get fooled again. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and hear that scream, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I have so many vivid memories of that man. Like, I'm pretty sure I was at the uh, the pizza place that everybody worked at back when they had those TVs up and above the bar, like mm-hmm. watching him talk, you know, like right after it happened, like that 9-11 later that day. Like, I know, like, I went up there and like, that was part of like what I did that day was go up to go up there and hang out with people. Yeah. <clears throat> Yep, similar, similar. Um, I think at that time, at that time, I was work. No, I had wor- I was working at the bookstore, of course, but I was still friends with my with the friends from the Sandy Springs Mellow Mushroom that's not there anymore. Um, so yeah, I went over to oh the, the one that's uh the the medical place now. Yeah, yeah. And um, I went I went over to a friend's house there, and we watched. Yeah, I remember us watching it and. You know, yeah, that whole feeling of like, what's going on? They hate our freedom. They hate our what? <laughs> you know, I still am upset about it. Twenty years later, really? yeah, I'm just like, get, come, you can come up with something better than that. You know, it's like, who? You know what? That place over there, man. You know that house over there, man. They they are just so free. Look at them. They're just so happy over there. I'm gonna mess them up. I mean, maybe there's a factor of that. I don't know. Just I always it was worded. It, it was made just... sense to me because they're like it was the they were always portrayed as being um uh shit. I'm trying not to say uh and um they were always portrayed as being controlled or you know under a totalitarianism, you know, that type of setup where you had no freedoms mm-hmm. because the women can't drive and you've got all these things, religious enforcements that, you know, factor into their society and stuff like that. Right. Um, but you don't blow up again. The place, none you, of them you head to it. <laughs> you just but say, none of I... them, none of them were from Afghanistan. Right. They were Saudi, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, we that that's that's one of those subjects where we we'd have to start a whole other podcast. I know. I was just about to cut us off. I was like, yeah. Plus, I haven't thought about this stuff in forever, so I can't really. You should back. Should I go back to it? I know. I wonder if I yeah. still have my Time Magazine. I kept. I had for a long time. A I Time do. Magazine from 
That, that's special edition. You still have it? Yeah. It's in the box. I don't know if it's special. It's beat to hell. Mine is too. Yeah. The picture of it on there. It'd be interesting to go back and read and see what they were saying then mm-hmm. and what is, you know, fact now. Because I think as we've learned over the last two years, we tend to say things as fact um, before really knowing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was kind of going on back then too, but. But then it was it was the how did they used to report it? Because now the new thing is that whole like according to people familiar with the matter. That's like my favorite new, you know, cop out of like I feel like that's source. been around for a long time. Yeah, but I feel like it was worded different back then. Maybe it was just like according to an unnamed source. <laughs> Something like that. Unnamed White House aide. Unnamed you know, White House would, aide. Yeah. That that's been I remember um because to me, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched The West Wing. Mm-hmm. Great show. You should. It really encapsulates that era of politics pretty well. It leans idyllically into the left um, while still being sane and a little conservative. Um, Bartlett's kind of that like moderate liberal type president um and aaron sorkin as far as his writing and character development um and the acting i mean it's 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 top 10 series for me nice yeah um there's some really good stories in there there's some really good uh battling demons stories there's a lot of good stuff in there i highly recommend it I have to dig it back up. I remember that series, and I believe I watched a little bit of one, but I never got into it. So, I'll, uh... the first season is a little rough. There's a character, uh, Mandy, I think her name is, mm-hmm. that they literally just wrote out into the next season. Like she was a character involved in stuff, and she just bloop disappears, um, because she was that bad. Oh wow! Back when you could have bad characters on TV. What do you mean you can't have them now? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know why that made me think of 24 too. I remember when 24 came out. I never watched that. I I didn't because um, I my impression of it was like because it was it was that it was like just after 9/11, and then 24 comes out and it and I'm just and it's you know this anti-terrorism <laughs> you know show yeah. and, and I'm just thinking like this is propaganda if I've ever seen it. You know, I didn't watch it. I just saw like the commercials and I'm like, my God, you know, this is like, you know, pro war, pro, we got to get the terrorists kind of a show. And then years later, um, when I was rooming with uh, uh, our mutual friend from the pizza restaurant, um, he was big into 24 along with uh, other buddy from anyway, we were he, they were into it and I saw them getting into it. And I'm like, let me watch it. And then I was hooked. And then I started regretting not watching it on TV. Um, it was such... That child, I can hear. Now you can hear him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eric! Hey, buddy. No, it's all good. I think it's good. <laughs> hey, buddy. You want to come say hi? Come here. Come say hi. Ladies and gentlemen, my son, Eric. Once he gets over here. You can do it. Is he? Uh, does he have any liquids coming out of him? So far, so good. I think the last time okay. he threw up was uh, was last night. And how 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 old is is Sir Eric? 
Eric's, I have knighted him. Eric knighted is two him. and a half. You want to say hi, Eric? Hi. Hi, buddy. You can't hear me. Yeah. 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 What do you see right there? Um. This now. Yeah, you see the microphone. What color Ooh. is that? Is it blue? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You gonna go back to mommy? I'm almost done with the show. Tell mommy I'm almost done. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, we're we're still waiting for words from the uh, the grandson. His oh, yeah. favorite his favorite word so far is just hi. Yeah. Hi. Oh, I miss hey. that. Eric. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's like the it's like Groot, right? <laughs> yeah. Eric's phase, man, it was great because he started off with yeah. And he <laughs> would say it at the most appropriate moments. It was awesome. Like he'd be like, hey guys, what do you think? Think we should go get some pizza? Yeah. It was always super <laughs> enthusiastic. Or like, you know what, guys? Your yeah. mom's great. Yeah. <laughs> like awesome. he would just drop it on you every so often. Did you like, record any of that? You get it on video? I think I did. I think I got a few of them. But they were hard to like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the kind that like I'm not the the helicopter parent with a phone, you know. I just like most of the time I had to like sort of try and recreate it. I'd be like, oh man, I should have caught that or I should film this, but it's like my role is to to document everything to the point where like I have so many pictures of the girls flipping me off because mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't like their picture taken. <laughs> I've got some good ones of Rebecca like that where I, I caught her at moments. And I catch that look of like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, well, it's that time though. Yeah. Um, what time is it? Well, it's two o'clock. I gotta, I gotta go because Rebecca's got an appointment. So we. Oh, are, that's we, right. We I are trading. We were two thirty on the little calendar that I was. Yeah. Doing. Well, originally so we were trying to stretch. Jesus. Now, originally we were gonna be, but uh, sick children change, change your plans. So, um, but thank you everybody for listening. Hope you all uh, enjoyed the revelations of my young adulthood of realizing, holy smack, there's racist people out there. Um, you know, or also realizing like, you don't want to go to jail. Cause like, if you're, if, if you're an innocent, if you're an innocent young man who, uh, accidentally gives butter to the wrong person, you might get shivved, <laughs> you know, or God forbid you join a prayer circle, you might get beat up. So, um, and 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 also too, I did go to jail one more time for my DUI, but there's no real stories behind that one. Um, it just go sucked. when you're where that was when I lived in Savannah. You? Oh God, Savannah, Savannah jail too. Savannah jail made Savannah jail made the the Marietta jail look like a freaking resort. Savannah yeah. was rough, and it was an older yeah. jail. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, but yeah, so. Thank you all for listening to Degree of Experience. Um, just one more quick reminder. Uh, again, if you made it at this point in the episode, uh, you probably got some kind of value out of it. So again, you know, if think of us, put a value on it, go to value.degreeofexperience.com. Uh, and you, you will get an executive producer credit on the following episode. Um, we got links in the show notes if you'd like to reach out to us. Um, my our website and my contact information is in the show notes. I'm not going to mention it now on air because I got I'm still figuring out what what emails I want to use for what. So for now, we'll just say it's in the show notes. Um, Sir Puck, anything you wanted to say or advertise? No, I don't think so. Okay. I uh, 
No. Okay. No. I think we're good. No. I think we covered it, right? We're a podcast. We talked about some stuff. And I think we're done. So thanks, everyone, for listening to Degree of Experience. Uh, I'm Chris Barjon, and oh, it's so good to be free. And I am Sir Puck. Keep on raging in your machine. Adios, mofos. This song has been stopped due to copyright infringement.